Yeah, I feel like when I get to watch Clay go be successful on those types of horses that were just really hard and, you know, I watched the whole process, just watching them after they struggle with something so much, finally, I mean, even if it's not in the show pen, finally seeing them hit those breakthrough moments on those horses, it's really special when it's one of those horses that, you know, you get to watch behind the scenes, how much time they put into it and how hard they try and they try everything they can to get it to work. And when it finally does, it's really rewarding. I mean, it's rewarding when all you've done is literally watch the process. in on the rail at a jog please on the rail at a jog hello everyone we're back with another episode of on the rail podcast i feel like this episode is going to be super fun definitely a different perspective and maybe one that some of us need to realize but we are talking with some trainers wives today just to get their perspective on what it's like being with a trainer and all of that back end work and maybe just some things that we don't understand. So I'm super excited to deep dive with these ladies today. And whoever wants to go first, we're going to introduce you and then just kind of give us a little rundown of maybe your experience with horses, a little bit about how you got started and then what that or who you're with, if that makes sense. So let me pick somebody. I'll go with Alexis. We'll start with you. Okay. Hi, I'm Alexis Gooding. I'm married to Austin Gooding. I grew up showing like really low level hunters. And then we had a paint come into the barn that I ended up leasing to sell. And I fell in love with paint. So I kind of got into the paint all around stuff. And then recently, since Austin and I started dating, I have kind of switched from paints to quarter horses. Hi, I'm Tammy Farnsworth, and I am married to Mike Cocktail. And I started showing horses. It was a family affair with my sister and my parents. We showed open shows up until I was in my 20s and then graduated to getting a horse trainer and showing paint horses. And then just like Alexis in the last five years, transitioned into the quarter horses. Um, My name is Sydney Miller and I'm married to Keith Miller. I grew up kind of showing at more of a regional level, quarter horses, all around events. Keith and I started dating, geez, when I was 16. And, you know, we've been together ever since. So that's kind of my backstory. Okay, I'm Lexi. I am currently engaged to Clay Arrington. I got into horses when I was really little. I did kind of just like the boarding barn lessons for a while. And then I got into like kind of like 4-H shows and like open shows when I was younger because growing up in Chicago, I definitely did not have a lot of family that understood why I wanted to ride horses. So I just kind of did what I could. And then eventually I got my first what I call real show horse. And that was my hunt seater. And I took him to Valerie Kearns. And then I had an all-arounder with her, and I did that for a few years. And when me and Clay started dating, I moved down to Florida. Then my horses came with me, and that's where I am now. 
now I just kind of am becoming a pleasure girl, I guess. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Ty Darty. I'm married to Kyle Darty. We've been married for about a year and a half now. My background, I really come from, I guess, kind of a, a family of horse trainers. So my mom's parents, actually, she grew up, they gave about 100 Western and 100 English lessons on their farm a week, which is just insane. I think they had like 100 horses on the farm is what my mom used to tell me. And I remember dozens of them growing up, not 100, but definitely spent a lot of time in the arena with my grandpa, learning to ride some and then definitely at home. So both of my parents, Joe Paris and Becky Schooler, are horse trainers as well. And have been. I think my mom went out on her own. She told me when she was like 18, worked for Clark and Sarah Bradley for a long time, and then went out on her own with my dad first, and then has really kept doing it for all these years. So I started showing when I think I was about three. I think I have a picture that says 1996 at the Kentucky State Fair when that used to be a big state futurity. I won the walk trot. We didn't have walk trot all around then. So it was just walk trot pleasure for me. Kind of did that for a number of years until I think I was about maybe like nine or 10. I started to get more serious and showed, started showing the all around a little bit and had pleasure horses. And it's really just kind of taken off from there, shown a lot as a youth, now as an amateur. I also rode for Oklahoma State University on their equestrian team, which enabled me to get my bachelor's degree in management with a concentration in HR, which led to kind of my career. So I'm actually not just in the horse industry all the time, though I do a lot of showing. I am an HR leader for Whirlpool currently. So I've been in HR with Fortune 500 companies for about the last seven years, I guess. Perfect. Thanks, gals, for joining us today. We appreciate your time, especially on a holiday weekend after Thanksgiving for everyone. So we thought it may be a good time to try to catch all of the trainers' spouses at home for once, because I know you guys are not always <laughs> around too often, especially not free. So all of you, do any of you not actually show at all? Or does everyone here show at some point or have shown in the last, you know, we'll give it like three years? All right, we'll take that as everyone does show at some point. So what other roles do you participate in with your spouse? I feel like it would be easier to say what roles we don't participate in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me even back up from that then real quick is let's do like a 30,000 foot overview of sum up what it's like being married, engaged to a horse trainer. Go around the room. <laughs> I'll start. I mean, I guess just number one, I think you really have to realize for people that aren't in the relationship is like, you're not only marrying that person, you're marrying the job and the lifestyle that comes with it. You know, like when you have animals that you're constantly responsible for, you really can't get away from it that much. I mean, like you really have to know that responsibility you're taking on with them, whether you're a non-pro or a trainer yourself, you know, like you just you take on that role. And that's something I think that kind of gets overlooked a lot. We have a lot <laughs> to do with it too. Yeah, Lexi, I couldn't agree more. I think you marry into it 
but you as much sign up for the job as even your husband or your significant other. It's just constant traveling, logistics. Horses don't turn off like other people's jobs might or sort of do. You can't just turn your phone off. So you're really you're really all in and your life revolves around the business and caring for animals full time. I'll just speak for myself and Mike is I'm a mortgage lender. I've been a mortgage lender for 23 years. So I do own my own business as well, which gives me the opportunity to travel when I am showing. But this year I'll use as an example, my horse was on rehab for this whole year. I didn't go to many shows. I stayed home and was responsible for running my business, but also taking care of things here while he was gone. So it's not always the glamour of getting to go to every horse show as well is you've got to make sure your responsibilities are taken care of at home as well. And just like everybody else has said, they're animals. They can't take care of themselves. It's a 24-7 job. And plus, you know, we own our own facility and all of that, 30 plus acres with 50 plus horses. So it's a lot, but it's very, very rewarding as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Tammy touches on a really important aspect where I think it's a little bit overlooked sometimes how much we sacrifice in our lives for it. And I know, as Tammy said, you know, she's lucky she gets to travel with her job and all that. But like, I'm a nurse, I'm a full time, I was a full time ICU nurse in California. And when Austin and I got married, and I finally made the jump to move from California to Michigan, I had to decide, do I want to work full time in Michigan? And not ever see my husband when he's gone at shows every single week and stay home and kind of wait for him to get home. Or do I stay working in California and work part time and get to travel with him? So I actually get to see my family. And I think sometimes that's overlooked, too, that we don't have a normal family life where our husband, you know, and us are gone nine to five. And then from 5 p.m. on, it's business as usual and get to go do whatever we want and get weekends off and all of that. Definitely. Is something like Lexi said, you kind of marry into that lifestyle. And luckily, Austin and I dated a real long time before I finally committed to it. But mm-hmm. it's definitely a different, different lifestyle for sure. Yeah. And I think, like everybody else has said, that we absolutely do. We kind of sign up for this lifestyle and it's a little bit unconventional. And I think that people need to know going into, like, especially if your spouse is a horse trainer and you're going to continue to be a non pro or possibly not even be showing, like, I used to show a lot more before we had family as well. And that having a family with a horse trainer brings on like a whole additional dynamic. But just knowing that the spotlight isn't about us and like we do so much of the support roles and so much of the stuff that goes into making them successful. But everybody needs to know that at the end of the day, it's really not us getting that recognition. And you have to be able to be okay with standing kind of behind the scenes. And I think that's hard for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had just talked to one of my other friends who's first trainer's fiance. And, you know, we were just on that topic of we do so much. And it's like, I feel like we can only take so much credit, especially with the heat that comes around being a non-pro and a trainer's wife. You know, like, we don't ever want to like take credit for too much because we don't want to start a riot over it or anything. So you just kind of have to be in the background and just, you have to be comfortable with that. I agree. Yeah. And I think that that's almost like a little bit of a maturity and confidence thing where 
we don't feel like we need to get our our self-worth off of mm-hmm. off of being in the spotlight as much because we know that we do so much on the backside that allows for the business to be successful. Right. So I think it sounds like Ty, Alexis, Tammy, I know you guys all have separate jobs outside of you or your husband's trainer business. Sydney, if I correct me if I'm wrong here, but you work directly in the business with Keith managing all of his stuff. And then Lexi, do you have a separate job? Did I miss that part? I just currently went back to school. So I am focusing on that along with juggling all the traveling and all the fun stuff. So yeah, Yeah. I'm going to get my degree in business management. And I kind of want to go into real estate down here, honestly. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I actually do work full time in real estate as well. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, we have, I own a a real estate company and we, we flip a lot of properties, do a lot of Airbnbs, a lot of real estate investing. And then I also sell residential real estate. Very cool. So everybody has a little bit of something they can do on their own, at least. Maybe talk about what is your just support role outside of the logistics of maybe managing books, accounts, anything like that. But I mean, what's the emotional support role you have? It was funny because Mike and I were talking about this this morning and I asked his perspective as well as what he thought my support role was. Basically, what we discussed was when Mike wakes up in the morning, he basically gets up, puts his clothes on, has a cup of coffee and goes to the barn. He works all day, comes in. He doesn't have to worry about anything meaning he can focus 100% on his business, the horses, and all the household grocery shopping, cleaning, cooking, all of those types of things, laundry. We've been together for 14 years and he's maybe done one load of laundry. (laughs) Yeah, It's those kind of things that we've established in our relationship that I'm 100% the household and he's 100% the barn. Do we help each other out when we're in need? Absolutely. But it's kind of an unspoken thing that that's kind of my supportive role outside of when we're at horse shows and things like that on a daily basis. I would say for Austin and I, my supportive role has always kind of been the like non-pro perspective. And for the first few years, Austin and I dated, I had horses with other trainers And so I kind of got to look into their business without being a non-pro in it and kind of offer perspectives when, you know, they had discussions with clients or there were questions about billing or this and that and kind of offer from like the paying side how it feels and how an amateur or youth might approach the situation, which I mean, I still do that today. I'm still a paying client today. So I still get my say in that. But I think now part of my support role is kind of Anyone that knows me knows I kind of just say whatever's on my mind and I don't have a huge filter. And so I kind of set boundaries with Austin where if it were up to him, his phone would start going off at 6 a.m. with clients asking every question under the sun, whether it needed to be answered at 6 a.m. or not. And he'd kind of be on his phone all night doing horse deals. And that was one of my rules when we moved in together. I said, your phone, unless something's dying, it's going to get turned off for dinner. And when we have dates and this and that. So kind of like setting a healthy boundary, which 
you know, he comes from a family of horse trainers. Both sets of his grandparents were horse trainers. And it's kind of a way of life that you don't really ever turn off from being a horse trainer. And kind of one of my support roles has been reminding him that you can have a healthy balance and you still have to have a healthy home life and set boundaries with clients so that your interactions when you do deal with them is more positive and you're not so burnt out. Yeah. And I'll agree with both Tammy and Alexis on that, you know, especially with taking care of the house all the time. I mean, like when I go and spend those days at the barn with Clay and I'm there all day, I come back and I'm like, there's no way (laughs) I'm doing any of that right now. And it's like, unless I'm going home earlier than him, I just can never expect him to really get up. Even like when we're at the barn together all day, like he's still doing so much more than I am. I have so much respect for the job that they all do. I mean, it's demanding to say the least. And, you know, it's just, I feel like taking care of the house is a pretty easy task compared to what they have to do all day. So I take that with a grain of salt. But as far as what Alexis was saying, with just being like that non-pro that does pay the bills and like has that perspective, it does offer valuable insight, I think, towards Clay and his business. But yeah, and I mean, I mean, as far as support roles, I think the emotional aspect is a lot as well. You know, Clay just went out on his own actually two years ago this month. And, you know, like when you first go out, I just feel like it's really, really just taxing. You know, it's the whole part of paying your dues, which is just a part of it. And it's things don't always go the way you really want them to. And, you know, I think at first you're kind of okay with it because it's just horse showing, but then When you're a professional, I feel like he puts so much pressure on himself because he has clients depending on him. And I feel like sometimes he needs to realize that it's okay. They're still horses. They're animals. And most of our clients anyways are really, really good about that. And I mean, the way I look at it is if they're not good about just understanding that horse showing is worth showing, then let it fall where it falls. But you know, I think it's just the emotional aspect is really a lot. And with what Alexis was saying, as far as setting boundaries, that is essential to being able to separate yourself personally and from the job as much as you can, as much as it's feasible. I mean, you can only do so much. But yeah, I feel like if you don't ever take, you know, just a day to not do that much, you'll get burnt out. I mean, it's hard. It's definitely a balance you have to keep. I think as far as my support role, Keith and I have been together for a long time. And I think as things have grown and changed as far as like having a family and, you know, business changes as well as it goes, you know, that support role kind of changes. But I always, everybody kind of jokes that they know that like all Keith wants to do is really ride his horses. And so I feel like for us to be successful, the more things I can handle so that all he has to do is ride his horses is the best. Like, so I handle the vets, the farriers, the clients, the scheduling, like the logistics, and really the majority of the household stuff, like Tammy was saying as well, because they're just, for them to be able to be at the level that they want to be at, they need so much focus into the riding. They don't need to be on our side, at least, like he doesn't need to be worried about ordering shavings or what day a load of hay gets delivered. So if I can take those things off of his plate so that he can leverage his skills better to just ride horses, then I feel like that's a win. And then he has enough 
like everybody else was saying, that home life balance is important too. So the easier I can keep things for him that the business runs smoothly, then at the end of the day, he comes home and he still has like enough bandwidth left for for us to have a good relationship and to have a good relationship with his kids, which is super important to me. I don't know that I have much more to add. I asked Kyle this question too, Tammy, because I was like, I wonder what he thinks my role is. <laughs> and I think he summed it up. He said, kind of like, you keep me going. So his focus and value to the business and being able to perform at the level that he wants to and the customers want to, it's really about him getting to ride and pay attention to the horses all day. So I really play the role of trying to keep a lot of the things that I can out of his mind or bothering him. Now, it's a little bit different because I do have that full-time role as well. So maybe I'm balancing a little bit what I can do and what phone calls he can make during the day. I don't handle the farriers or the vets, but there's a lot of things that I can do logistic wise and things that just take a little bit of time and busy work off of him so he can really focus on the horses. And I think another piece that is important to me is I really try while I have my opinions and I'm not always great at filtering them. I do always try when he asks me for eyes on the ground or things like that. I try to be more of the emotional support than kind of his expert. Like, I don't think he needs more trainers or more opinions all the time on what the horses should or shouldn't be doing, but celebrating the small wins of win over trot poles today or whatever it might be and trying to find some of the good in the day because it's so technical. It's so hard. I try to just bring that, that positive and kind of fun aspect into it because they do take it really seriously and they do put a lot of pressure on themselves. So instead of offering maybe my opinions on what to go do next, I try to pull out of those situations and be kind of that positive or emotional support behind the scenes. I made notes of a couple of things while you guys were talking that I wanted to follow up on. The first one being when Tammy was speaking, and I know this is something I've heard Mike speak about previously in different things, Tammy, but it's keeping your barn life separate from your home life. Yes. And I was going to say that at the end when everybody was done <laughs> is don't bring the barn into the house. So do you want to expand on that or does anybody else want to offer their either struggles or comments on that whole dynamic that people may not even, you know, that may not even occur to them? And I'll just speak for us. I think it's easier for us than some of the other ladies because they're either in the barn full time or in the business more full time than I am. But even when I'm in the barn every day, it's usually for a couple hours a day. I don't get caught up in whether there's an issue in the barn or as an industry as a whole, things are going on, as we all know happens. Those are not things that I get involved in or get part of those discussions. And if something negative happens in the barn, it does not leave the barn and come into the house. It's done. I feel like it's probably a great thing for us to keep in mind. And we should probably all strive for that a little bit more because I know in our relationship, that is hard because we both do it so much together. So it is hard not to bring that into the house. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Sydney. I was like, I really need to maybe work on yeah. that. <laughs> I do remember hearing Mike talk about it when he did, I think it was this podcast, actually. So maybe that like <laughs> means we should pay attention to it more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the balance for us is we do try to go do other, I call it like normal people things. <laughs> so like go shopping or go to dinner or we try to do at least one trip a year where you know we're gone maybe for a couple days away from the barn away from the day-to-day kind of hustle it gets challenging with horse show schedules and then me having enough vacation days but I do think it really helps us just kind of like reboot and get out of kind of all those conversations of horses every day so that's just a break that we found that we really like to try to do. And once a year sounds not very much and it's not, but when you travel so many weeks a year, it is quite a bit to get to have, you know, maybe a week gone or four days kind of gone to not talk about it. And honestly, I also would love the idea of traveling somewhere, but with how much we travel for horse shows, when we finally get home, I'm like, I'm not leaving. Like I am staying right here. Millennial Cowgirl is a marketing and media company where we offer on-site content creation for the equine industry. Everything from amateurs, professional trainers, facilities, and product supply companies. Come to us for any of your media, marketing, and content creation needs. Find us on our website at millennialcowgirl.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We're both such homebodies. Well, like in all... (laughs) good theories, plan trips. And then we come up on them and we're like, we would just love to stay home, like not go to the barn and clean stalls, <laughs> have to answer any phone calls, just pull up at our house and A staycation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're supposed to go to Texas next week to go do like some stuff for the wedding. And I'm just like, mm, I think we could push it to the next trip. I'm like, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I think that stuff can all wait. I think I just really want to be home right now. The other question I jotted down was what Alexis said about the non-pro perspective. How do you guys approach or handle that with your trainer-minded spouse? And maybe how has that dynamic shifted over your conversations or not? I think in Austin and I's relationship, you know, their business model is a little bit different than most people. They have business partners, the Bowers, and they've been business partners with them for 20 plus years. So it's more of a family business than anything, but I'm lucky because I always have Michelle Bauer on my side because she's also a non-pro. So our business kind of has more non-pros in the melting pot than most. I think it's a really hard, it's hard to have those conversations because they usually involve money and the balance of horses are the one sport where the clients are paying a ton and the trainers are not making much. There's a lot of overhead and there's a lot of middle ground where the money seems to just kind of disappear into thin air. I was of that notion too. I had been a non-pro my whole life. My parent, I was lucky. My parents paid for me to show all through high school and college. Even they sent my horse to Texas with me. And I kind of only saw the non-pro perspective and didn't see the trainer perspective until we started dating and hearing his side of things really changed the way I looked at my bills when I got them at the end of the month. But I think also We've been able to have a lot of conversations about transparency and how to phrase things to clients and kind of how to approach certain situations so that everyone gets what they want. And it's hard because it seems like horse trainers, I mean, this comes up all the time in different discussions on Facebook, but it seems like horse trainers, the one people, 
that own a business but aren't supposed to make any money doing it. So it's a lot of conversations on how can we make money, but also make it so that people are happy to pay their bill and don't feel like they're going into debt doing it and kind of how to make everyone win, which I know is pretty impossible, especially in this day and age, but just how to be fair and approach things and see different perspectives, not so one-sided. And I'll kind of add on to that, you know, like as a non-pro, like when you're not around your trainer 24 seven, you don't really realize all of the hours that they put into it, you know, not only with just your horse, but just all the hours in general, you know, like going back at night to go put on blankets or put on sheets or take sheets off or take blankets off. You know, it's all that stuff takes time. And quite frankly, time is money. (laughs) They put a lot of time into it. And if you really break down the bills that, you know, you send and compare them to the hours that they work, it's kind of sickening, honestly. I mean, it's just And, you know, that's how it goes. And I guess, you know, like you said, it's the only business that you're supposed to own and not make any money, I guess. But I don't necessarily agree with that. But I mean, quite frankly, it just happens more often than not. But yeah, I think a lot of people don't really realize how much time that their horse is actually getting just besides riding time, like days that stall cleaners don't come in, you have to go clean stalls, you're just kind of stuck with it. And that pay doesn't always reflect, well, now I got to clean 25 stalls, so then still ride some and make that all work. So, I mean, that's just a perspective that I gained from being a non-pro prior to now being with the horse trainer. I mean, it's a lot. Let alone all of just the, and I'm sure, you know, Ty can speak to this, all the HR, like there's so much fielding yeah. of phone calls and texts and keeping people happy and So much of it is, and Austin and I talk about this all the time too, you know, this sport is people's hobbies, but it's trainers' jobs and trainers work a normal nine to five plus hobby hours. You know, people want to come ride after school and after work on every night of the week. And they want to come Saturdays and Sundays and holidays because those are the days they have off. But Mm -hmm. horse trainers have to work both. So I try to keep my HR hat off a little bit though, Alexis, because- (laughs) Hiring and performance management of employees as a horse trainer is not always compliant. (laughs) No. You know my mother, and I've seen a lot, so. (laughs) Yeah, HR with your mom would be fun. (laughs) Yeah, uh, just many horse trainers in general. I'm like, you guys can't do that, but it's okay. (laughs) It's just what happened. (laughs) That's not the right thing to do, but it's fine. It's fine. It's horses. It's it's fine. It won't look. <laughs> All right. That's a good time to segue into maybe discussing some of the other unique challenges that come up with being non-pros, married to horse trainers. And I think one of them that is underappreciated also, and I have noticed this in our amateur group. And I appreciate, always appreciate the gals and especially Alexis, I know does and Lexi does. Ty contributes there too from time to time. The struggles you guys go through with the perception that you are not an amateur or you're the professional amateur, or you, kind of that stigma. And that's one of the challenges I wanted to bring up. And I'm sure there's others. We can start there or you can nominate some other challenges that I haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, I think the biggest stigma is that we don't pay. <laughs> Which... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think if people saw my horse bills that I pay every month, I think they'd understand why I live in Michigan and make California wages because that's the only way I could ever afford to do this. It's the one good thing about California. But yeah, I think that's the biggest stigma is that we're kind of riding our husband's bills and get to go show for free where half the time I put my horse on the trailer because it makes the split for all the customers cheaper. Like us going to horse shows, at least the way our business works, and I know ours is different because we have business partners and it's a lot different of a business model than most people's. But I think that's the biggest stigma is that we just get to do this for free or we're paid to do this, which that's certainly not the case. It's hard too, because I kind of have to remind myself sometimes it's Austin's business, but it's still my hobby. And I get a little bit wrapped up in it too, of the stress of it and waking up at 4am and not getting to bed till 1am at most horse shows. And I sometimes have to rephrase it to myself, like, you know what? No, you can go to bed early. You do pay to be here and you're taking time off work to be here, just like the other clients. And I kind of have to find ways for myself to keep it fun and to keep it enjoyable. Otherwise, it's not worth the money I'm paying to be there. So I think that's a big stigma. And I think a lot of people forget that, that it's also our hobby. And kind of as much as we want to help keep things in order back at the stalls and keep everything running and kind of field people's emotions, that it also has to be enjoyable for us. And I know every business is different. Not all trainers wives show and all that, but that's the hardest thing for me to balance is ways to keep it fun for me and remember that it's my hobby and my husband's job Mm -hmm. and how to keep those two things separate. And I'll also add on (laughs) for anyone who thinks that we get special treatment because we're their wives and we get extra attention because of that. (laughs) I just wanted to make it really clear that it's actually the complete opposite. (laughs) Like, Agreed. We are last <laughs> on the list. And that's fine with me. You know, like I'm comfortable enough with that. You know, I know he has other clients. You know, I am a paying client too, but you know, it's hard. I feel like on their end, they kind of have to protect against that. So some clients don't get upset, even if they know I'm paying or they don't or whatever the case. It's hard. You know, it's just even if you are paying, you know, there's still always gonna be not that tension, but just kind of that general notion that they're just going to think that no matter what. And really the fact of the matter is, is I'm usually last on the list and, you know, I kind of signed up and agree to that, but at the same token, it's, it's not some great, huge benefit that I am marrying a horse trainer. So my horses are always going to be the most trained and best ones. And I'm going to have the most help. Most of the times when I get to show, he has to get his other clients ready to show and I'm getting myself ready to show. So I mean, our horse show husbands, everybody else's horse show husband (laughs) first. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And in my case, my horse show mom and dad are (laughs) everyone else's trainers first. That's what I always joke about. Yes, for sure. Well, and I think too, Mike's job is for his, to put his clients in the best position possible to do the best that they can do. And sometimes that means as a spouse, you have to step out because sometimes you don't want to be competing against a client. You don't want to put it in that situation either sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, and I've had that happen more in when I was showing the paints than in the quarters because I'm so new in the quarters, but that's his job. I mean, they're long-term clients. If sometimes you're told you're not going to go in a class or you're not going to show, you just don't show. 
it's definitely what Lexi said. It's you signed up for it, but you are not number one priority. Has any of these type of like situations where maybe I won't say direct clients, but just the industry in general categorizing you guys as like professional, quote unquote, professional amateurs. Has this changed your view at all of the industry or have you seen or maybe overcome any of these stigmas that people have said? It's an irritating thing to read or hear just in general. It's just irritating because it's such a misconception, but I know I do things by the book and I know I'm doing the right thing. So, you know, I mean, I get irritated with it, but at the same token, you know, someone's always going to have something to say no matter what. So, I mean, I always try to remember, you know, like this is what I love to do. I have not changed anything besides the fact that my husband or my future husband is a horse trainer. He still gets paid. You know, my grandma and I, our horses have always been like our kind of thing. So my grandma, I'm very lucky that she does it with me, but you know, she still pays clay and you know, her biggest thing was even like when we first, when I sent my first horse to clay, she's like, and I don't want him to think that just because you guys are dating that I deserve any sort of special treatment on my bills. She said, he's still doing the job. It's still what it is. And I'm paying my dues. And honestly, that has definitely been a saving grace that I do pay bills because we have run into things where things have been said. And it's just, you know, you just have to kind of be comfortable with yourself and confident that you're doing the right thing. And you kind of just have to tune a lot of that out. Because like I said, people are always going to have something to say. And I think with what Lexi's saying there is people are always going to have something to say. But at the end of the day, I think it's also our responsibility to be transparent with people. Like if there's questions about it and, you know, if you're if you're paying the business, then they should know that like, hey, it might seem that way, but here's why it's not. So at least they can go talk about something else, because like Lexi said, they are always going to talk about something, but it doesn't need to be everybody's amateur status because at the end of the day people know what they're doing and if they're in the right or if they're in the wrong Mm -hmm. yeah I really think all you can do is make sure that you know you yourself are being a good steward of the industry and playing by the rules and being transparent with others on if they do have questions what in reality it looks like and I think you know, we can't stop people saying that we're professional amateurs or or something like that. But I think it's our job, again, to just be good stewards of the industry because our husbands and our family's kind of livelihood is dependent on customers and people having a positive outlook on the industry. So I think it's our job to, you know, make sure that those things don't deter people from competing at the levels they want to. Yeah, I think most of it too, at least, and it gives me a little bit of comfort. It's mainly just kind of the keyboard warriors that like to get on the mass Facebook posts and all of that. We're really, really lucky and we have a fantastic group of clients and we've never had any issues there. Super appreciative that I'm just as into show clothes, fashion trends as they are, and we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other and we can both talk about things. But for me, at least, it's mainly just been kind of the keyboard warriors and people that 
you don't know and they don't know the situation and half the time they don't even show quarter horse or paints you know they just don't have a super realistic idea of what goes on day to day in everyone's lives but we've been really lucky that the people in our barn are super supportive and just really grateful for what we can do and what we do try to offer help to do to keep our dog pro status but do you guys ever feel like you have a more microscopic lens on you when you're out in public at a horse show with your trainer? Are you acutely aware that you almost have a little bit of pressure on yourself to like not mess up? I mean, just doing normal things that any of us would do with our own horses and everything. Is that something that like is in the back of your mind all the time? Does that weigh on you? Absolutely. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's been brought up so many times with different people throughout the industry, you know, that are kind of like professional grooms, you know, they go around and work for certain trainers, saddling, lunging to help pay for their horse shows. And it's been said over and over through AQHA, you know, that's legal. They're not training. They're not riding. They're not coaching. They're not doing anything. They're just grooms. And it's the sort of thing that we can do and we get turned in for it, you know, just taking one out and lunging it because your horse trainer only has so many hands and can ride and lunge so many in a day and we can't do that. So there's definitely somewhat of a double standard and a little bit of a microscopic lens, I feel. Right. And, you know, like when I was with Val, we'd be at horse shows and this was when I was training in her barn. And, you know, like at shows, like we would all kind of just swap around on each other's horses sometimes. And you wouldn't think anything of it because that lens wasn't on you. But now I'm like, I'm not riding anything that's not mine. No way. Val, like, you know, would just throw us on. And like, I do not claim myself to be a horse trainer. Never have. Never will. (laughs) But it's not like when I was riding those horses with Val or like riding horses that weren't mine, no one thought anything of it because simply I wasn't a trainer's wife. Now, if I did that, I 100% know that some eyebrows will probably be raised. And so I just obviously would never. Yeah, I think it's just something that I'm continuously cautious of and conscious of, I guess. I don't try to even like sit on while Kyle's schooling one in the trail or showing if I bring a horse up. I try not to create any perception that I'm doing anything with that horse. I don't ride horses typically that aren't mine. It's a fine line. And I think people are very quick to assume that we're doing something, you know, wrong or illegal sometimes. So, you know, I really try to make sure that I can help and I want to help as much as I can. But, you know, there's times where I'm like, I'll just hold this one rather than it might be helpful if someone or anyone would go lope it down for 20 minutes before he practices something with it or trains it. So it's not fresh, but you know, I might have or see one of the clients go do that. But a lot of times I will not play that role. Is your fitness holding back your writing? Discover Ride Fit Life. We tailor fitness coaching for writers. Balance writing with life shed fat, and bid farewell to feeling overwhelmed. With personalized nutrition and fitness plans, boost your physical strength and mindset to add joyful years to your writing career. Be proud of who you see on the saddle. Plus, join our Fitness and Fat Loss for Equestrians Facebook group for free resources. Ready to elevate your writing? Visit RideFitLife.com now. Your fitter, happier writing life is just a click away. So the next quick little subject I had was, I think, 
some people think that the horse trainers have a very glamorous life. So do you guys want to talk a little about how glamorous the life is? I know you've touched on it a little bit, but. We didn't have to clean stalls today for the first time in months. So that was, that was, that was exciting. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> it's the little thing. Our stall cleaner leaves for the entire month of December. So we'll be getting what's coming to us. But <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Lovely. I had just made notes. The myth, I think this was your question, Jenna, was the myth versus the reality mm-hmm. is that, you know, you see all the pretty horses, you see the shiny trucks and trailers the beautiful clothes, the glamour of the ads that you put in magazines or whatever, but that's just such a small part of the reality of what goes into that period of time that you get to go do that. And it's going back to the horses can't take care of themselves. So it's a 24 hour job. It doesn't allow you to go on vacations very often, if at all, (laughs) sometimes, some years. And again, we own our own property and facility. So it's maintaining that asset, which is an annual thing. You're always doing something to maintain its value, to to fix something. The glamour part is a very small, small part of the whole picture of running the business. Yeah. I think Tammy touches on an important part. You know, it's we've all talked about taking care of the horses and all of that, but I mean when you own your own farm, it there's so much of it that's a full-time job that doesn't even have to do with the animals. Friday, the boys were all excited because they took the day off and rebuilt some stall walls, which was a super fun Black Friday for all of us. But they were just excited that they got to take a day off and get some projects fixed around the barn. Garth and his dad built the barn in, I think, the 70s. So it definitely needs some facelifts. And so we try to pick a thing every year that we fix up in the barn, but those are kind of your days off. Most Sundays are spent doing that sort of thing. And so it's definitely not, like Tammy said, it. there's certainly glamorous parts of it and there's stuff we're all super grateful for. And we all get to go to really fun places and all of that, but there's a lot of non-glamorous parts of it too that are overlooked. Yeah. I think it's easy from the outside looking in to think, because like Tammy said, everything's shiny, everything looks amazing. But the amount of work that gets you to that point, it's it's overwhelming some days. And I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, where it's just trying to keep that balance of like a healthy balance between work and a home life. Because in this industry, it's very easy to get completely consumed with it and lose perspective that like we all need a little bit of downtime in order to keep ourselves functioning at the best that we can be. So yeah, glamour. I don't think that <laughs> I don't think there's really much that's glamorous about it, but I think that we just all have to try to, to try to balance our lives enough so that we realize that we are all going to work hard to make this work, but at the same time to take a little bit for ourselves too. So to kind of put a positive spin on things from here, we've talked a little bit about all the troubles and struggles of the horse trainer life and being married to a horse trainer, but maybe what are some of the benefits if you can come up with one? <laughs> Everybody's sitting here thinking like, uh, that's a good question, actually. Well, to be able to get up in the morning and either go outside or look out the window and be able to look at horses in the pasture or go down to the barn. And I mean, they're my therapy. I don't need a therapist, at least at this point, because <laughs> my horses are my therapy. 
But I mean, if you're having a bad day or if I'm having a bad day, I should say, I just get on my horse and ride and just do something with them and makes my life so much better. Growing up, I was always lived in the country. I never lived in the city. I've tried to live in the city in the past and I can't stand it. So that's a huge, huge benefit is to live the lifestyle of being in the country. I mean, I say that all the time at work. I'm like, my hobby and my therapist are my horse. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I can completely relate there. I'm an animal lover. So just like having them close or accessible keeps me going. And I think it's just a benefit that some don't get. I think about some of our amateurs, you know, living hours away from their animals. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get to go visit them. So I feel the benefit is I do get to be close to the animals that I enjoy. And I don't go ride all the time, but if I can go brush them or wash their tail or just kind of hang out and be in that atmosphere and watch lessons or whatever it is, it kind of fills me back up to go go for the rest of the week or whatever it is. I think one of my benefits, uh, Austin works for his parents and we kind of all have horses in common and it's a huge factor in all of our relationships. As much as it drives my mom nuts at family dinners, most of the time we're talking about horses and when one of us wins, we kind of all win. And especially I feel like when it's one of mine that we all worked hard on, you know, it's kind of a family affair. Usually Garth and Austin have tag teamed it for a long time to try to get it ready for me. And Sinise is my show mom and helps with all of that. And when one of us wins, we all kind of, it's more of a, it's more of a special thing to me at least. And even when we didn't win, you know, we all get to do it together and we're super close with Austin's parents because of it. And I feel really grateful that his parents are like my parents. And that's a huge benefit as you, it's kind of a family affair and not just a business and really rewarding. I'll add on to the benefit of just having them so close. That is by far the best part about it. You know, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, my dream as a child would be to be able to walk out my back door and see my horse. So the fact that I'm so close to my horses every single day, you know, even when I when I was with Val in Illinois, you know, it was still she was still two hours from my house. So I mean it was still a whole day just to get there, just to go ride one time. That's now that my horses are so close, I'm so I just feel so lucky to be able to go ride them whenever I want or go just like Ty said, I mean, even if I just get to go be in the barn, that's my therapy. I mean, that's that's what I love to do. I mean, just being around the horses is really enough for me. I and mean, besides riding. Do you guys have any individual proud moments or milestones that you or your spouse has gotten to win or celebrate the success of that really stand out to you since you guys have been married or engaged or together? I think for me, probably my biggest one will always be the first time Keith won the world show was in 2011. And it was his first time ever showing there. He was the underdog for sure. He was still, yeah, he was obviously like what they would have considered a limited. I think, I think it was called the intermediate back then, but there was it was a really, really tough horse. It was a great horse, but it was the toughest horse we've still ever had. And he's retired here at our farm with us. And Keith will never let him go anywhere. But it was so hard. And it was so hard to get him prepared. And it was, but knowing what a great horse it was. And the night before, 
the prelims, he came and said, like, I'm not going to show him. And if you know Keith, he literally will show anything all of the time. And I was like, what do you mean you're not going to show him? Like, that's not really an option. That's what we're here for. And he was like, no, like, I'm scared of him. And I've never, I mean, we've been together 22 years now. I've never once heard him say he was scared of a horse before, but he was like, I cannot ride it. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to go out together and we're going to, we're going to figure it out. And I mean, we did, and it was hard. And Shane and Sidney Young, they were instrumental in everything that year. We had bought the horse from them and they were so great to us. And they became like family. They helped Keith kind of through all the tough spots that they found. And honestly, like the next day or a couple of days later, the finals were, he made it through the prelims and he ended up winning the finals. And, you know, it's kind of just one of those things that everyone wants to say, like, you have to be somebody to win. And, you know, at that point, he really wasn't. Like I said, it was his first time ever coming to the world show, ever showing there. And they let him win. And it was huge. And I don't think, I don't think we can ever have a win as big as that because it just felt monumental. Yeah, I feel like when I get to watch Clay go be successful on those types of horses that were just really hard and, you know, I watched the whole process, just watching them after they struggle with something so much, finally, I mean, even if it's not in the show pen, finally seeing them hit those breakthrough moments on those horses, it's really special when it's one of those horses that, you know, you get to watch behind the scenes, how much time they put into it and how hard they try and they try everything they can to get it to work and when it finally does it's really rewarding I mean it's rewarding when all you've done is literally watch the process it's special that's a really fun part of doing this with my fiance is I get to watch those even just the little ones you know those are always fun and it's always fun when it's one of my horses that goes on and does well but (laughs) if it gets to show or if I get to go do well if I get to show (laughs) if it doesn't get sold before then (laughs) right (laughs) a couple spotlight moments that I thought I would share as a family affair so my mom and my stepdad Todd Yoder have a breeding operation going it was supposed to be small but you know I think what last year Todd had 16 babies so it's ever growing (laughs) But it was a really cool moment. It's, I can't remember. It's maybe been a couple of years ago now. We had one of our first foals that Kyle and my mom got to train. And then my mom and I got to show. And it was out of one of our pleasure mares that I got to show that I'm sleeping single mare. Everyone usually knows her because she has a spot on her neck, like a birthmark. She's not a paint, but as a birthmark. And one of her babies, we got to show it and he got us, you know, some trophies, but it was really just rewarding to see some of the mares that we've kept because they're special to us in the breeding program and getting to do it as a family from pulling them out at the odd hours of the night to training them, getting them conditioned to go perform at a high level and then get to do it. We actually sold that one specifically. His name's the Red Dirt Road. And he actually won the novice select all around at the NSBA world this year with his new owner. So it's just like a really full circle moment of the breeding and getting to do it as a family affair and then getting to see him go on and make somebody else's dreams come true. And I just think those are always really rewarding. And I think they just really reflect back on the hard work and the foundation that my mom and Kyle have really been able to 
put on the horses. I think this year it was crazy. We had, I think six horses too, that, you know, came out of our breeding program. And then the others maybe that we bought as young horses and sold after a while that were at the NSBA world competing and many of them getting trophies and awards. And I just think it's really rewarding to see them go on and be successful and just reflect really positively on the work that Kyle and my mom did. And second moment. So we haven't like publicly, I guess, made an announcement on Facebook or anything, but I'm sure many people know I took a new job starting in August that is asking us to move to the Western side of Michigan. And after World Show, Kyle and I have been moving for the last two weeks. So milestone moment will be at Florida. Kyle's going to put his own sign up, Kyle Darty Show Horses. And it'll just be really exciting to see what the journey holds for him to kind of stand alone and be the sole trainer for the years to come. So we're super excited for what's next. Wow, that's major. Now you're on our side of the state, Ty. <laughs> I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. <laughs> Just kidding. That's cool. We're excited for you guys. Thank you so much. I'll just add, I think, proud moment for me is Mike's been in business now 37 years as a horse trainer and very successful in the APHA world. And transitioning, staying, showing paint horses, because we have some very long, long time paint clients and have bred and raised a lot of paint horses and still they're still breeding. But transitioning this late in his career over to showing quarter horses. And I'm super excited for the years to come for that. He's been doing amazing already. And I'm excited for what's to come as a select all around with my horse getting back into the pen. So just happy for all of the business that he has developed and the business he's maintained and the respect that he has in the industry. I'd say for me, my probably my biggest spotlight moment was I was reserve at the paint world and the amateur pleasure in 2020 with probably my favorite horse ever. We joke he's the family horse. He'll never go anywhere. We actually bought him from Mike and Tammy. He was the reason Austin and I started talking. I texted him and told him he bought my horse at the paint world. I was supposed to buy it. <laughs> and when I would come out and visit Austin, he was the only one. I'd be like, can I ride Winston today? And he's just the best horse ever. And I was lucky that Colleen Bull knew how special he was. She was the one who bought him. And she couldn't go to the paint world one year and asked if I wanted to take over and lease him. And that was my favorite horse. And I was second that year in the amateur pleasure. And the year before, Garth had won the NSBA World Show on him. And the next year, Austin won the NSBA World Show on him. So we all wear Winston's buckles. He's the family horse. We love him. Michelle Bauer owns him now, so he never has to go anywhere. But yeah, that's probably the spotlight moment for me just because he's just been so special to our family. And he's kind of all of our boy. Even if I don't own him, he's still my favorite horse in the barn. <laughs> Do you guys have any advice or insights for maybe other people out there listening that may be dating or married to a trainer spouse that you can give them like one good pro tip? I think, I think honestly, the most important thing is to diversify and make sure you have multiple revenue streams. I know it sounds nerdy and dorky, but you know, the horse industry is great and it can provide a good lifestyle, but things can happen so quickly 
There's no built-in retirement. Everybody needs to plan. Everybody needs to be making sure what their exit strategy is so that there is an exit. Agreed. For me, at least, Austin and I started dating when I was in college and I was already in nursing school, but I made it really clear from the beginning I was going to graduate from nursing school and I was going to move back to California and get a job where I knew I could get a job at, you know, one of the biggest children's hospitals in the country. And I had my own goals. And once those were done, we could talk about kind of combining our lives. But having your own separate thing is, to me, super important. You kind of, you know, as we talked about early on in this podcast, it's kind of easy to kind of be in the background. And we all like kind of being the silent cheerleaders. And we're all okay with that. But having your own thing so that you kind of have your own self-worth and you know what you bring to the table and it's not just about horses all the time. I think that's really important. It's really easy to let your life get consumed by this sport and get caught up in all of it and all the drama. And I think it's really important to have your own things. And I'm just hitting on both what Sydney and Alexa said is it's not all about the wins. You do need to treat it as a business for making a good living and creating your longevity in the business for retirement and things like that. And for me, like I said, for Mike and I, you know, we got together later in life. We started dating, I think when we were 45, 43 or 45, and we've been together for 14 years. And so at that point in time, I've already developed being a little bit more independent, but having that independence having my own thing, not relying on him for my happiness, all of those things, because more than six days out of the seven days a week, I may be eating by myself (laughs) dinner because he's still down at the barn, just creating a life that you can retire from. You've got goals and you've got a plan. Yeah. And I'm going to tap into Tammy's part too. I feel like you have to be comfortable with providing your own happiness and you have to be comfortable with, you know, your husband's just, their job doesn't always let them be with you all the time. Like you don't always get to do everything all together. And it's, you know, like, even if you are kind of like around each other all the time, that doesn't necessarily mean you're spending quality time together and you have to be really comfortable with you know, some days you're going to be doing a lot of stuff on your own. And that's just that. And I mean, I feel like in any relationship, horse trainer or not, I feel like you have to be really comfortable with being happy yourself and being able to make yourself happy and not depending on someone else for that. And I think the one thing that I was going to add in, and I probably should have said it earlier, but I think also knowing that at the end of the day, how somebody does in the arena is not, they can't get their self-worth off of that. And I think you know, kind of looking back to like support roles, I think that they need to hear that a lot. And I will say for Keith, I think having kids has put that into perspective a little bit more because at the end of the day, like he comes home and it doesn't matter how his three-year-old rode that day to them. He's still had And, you know, like, so just keeping that perspective that like your self-worth doesn't come off of how you did that day. And that there has to be that balance because you can get so consumed in thinking that everything revolves around this. And there is honestly just so much more in life than just the show. Pen. Mm-hmm. Are there any humorous or heartwarming stories you guys want to share with us before we kind of start to wrap up here? Anything that gives you a laugh now? 
anyone that knows my father-in-law knows it's there's a lot of humorous stories around the barn daily, but most of them involve dad jokes. It's always good to laugh, no matter what it is. <laughs> I talked about earlier on the show trying to keep kind of a light heart and not really be like the coach on the ground, but just the support partner on the ground. But I will share just at this world show, my husband was about to go in or he was practicing for the level one trail on my mare best to be zipping and he was practicing and he was struggling with an obstacle and I said did you want my non-pro advice and he said sure (laughs) I said why don't you just take your feet out when you go over those (laughs) (laughs) that's what I do and I got a good laugh from the trainers that were practicing and of course some eye rolls from him but I always think those are funny (laughs) did it work it did it really did yeah (laughs) We love when the non-pro advice works. Yeah. That's a win in itself. Just be nice to them. That's <laughs> usually my advice. Yeah, maybe he just wants to be pet. <laughs> I don't think she likes you very much. You need to start giving her treats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I have one. Like when me and Clay, it was kind of towards like when me and Clay first started dating. You know, I hadn't really been around like twos and three-year-olds that much. I'm Especially not two-year-olds. I don't think I'd ever been around two-year-olds before Clay. We were at, I think it was George on my mind. And it got really, really cold there. And we had some that hadn't really had sheets and blankets on, but we wanted to put them on. But I didn't know that they didn't have sheets or blankets on ever. <laughs> And at the end of the day, I'm ready to do the final push. I'm ready to get done for the day. And he was out doing something else. And, you know, like we had all these two-year-olds and really I didn't even think about it. Like I said, I'd never been around two-year-olds. I didn't, I was like, I didn't think that, you know, they probably should get used to having sheets and blankets on. So I go through and I put all these sheets on, and you know, some of them were just kind of being idiots about it, but I was like, yeah, they're two-year-olds. It's fine. And he comes back and he's like, did you put all those on? And I'm like, yeah, why not? And he's like, oh, he said, well, none of them had had them on. I I didn't know how they'd be. And I was like, no, it's all good. So, yeah. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss, Lexi. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was like, sometimes it's better just to not know. And you just full send it and it works out. (laughs) It's like when you're so much more brave being a kid because you don't know the consequences of what could go wrong. You're just, you're like, well, whatever. Ignorance is bliss for sure. Austin and I had a competition one year when I lived in California. I had a two-year-old out there and we had a competition who could get on their two-year-olds first. And I won. (laughs) And then he came out to California and started her and she tried to buck him off the entire first week. So (laughs) (laughs) score one. should have given her a treat. She liked me better. (laughs) Yeah. You just needed some non-pro advice. Exactly. That is one good question. I was like, last one before we wrap up, but do you guys feel comfortable giving advice to your spouse or you just know it's better to even just shake your head and look away? I feel like if I don't say anything, Clay gets more nervous. <laughs> like sometimes he'll write back, he'll be like, why aren't you saying anything? I'm like, I don't know. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I'm not a trainer. And he'd be like, well, does it look good? I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so if it didn't look great, I'd probably say got to change something. <laughs> yeah, I usually get the look, especially from my father-in-law. He likes to give a look when he walk when he rides by and Sinise and I are usually just like if we didn't say anything, you're okay, you know. Yeah, one time Clay told me that when he rides by and I I don't or in the show pen and he rides by and I don't say or do anything, 
he was like, well, if you're not going to say or do anything, can you at least just smile so I know it's okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I guess. I started videoing. If I see something that looks a little off or whatever versus saying anything, I just take a video and then I show it to him. Yes, videoing or seeing. Just text it to him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, uh, am I seeing something or? Yes, we are big videoers. Yes. So that way I don't get in trouble. With my own horses, I usually give quite a bit of feedback. I'm With my own horses, I'm the needy nod pro. <laughs> I am a needy client. I hate to admit it. <laughs> I definitely give up. I mean, I give a lot of feedback. That's kind of how Kate and I's relationship has always been. I'm always been his eyes on the ground. So, and he's come to rely on that pretty heavy. But there's also, there are times when I know that like, it's better for me not to say anything, especially like if something didn't go well, like, you know, you kind of get used to how people are. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give them five minutes before I tell them that (laughs) maybe if he had done this, it would have worked better because that does not always go over (laughs) at certain times. (laughs) Absolutely, Sydney. I've learned the hard way. The time for my feedback and there's time not for my feedback. Videoing. There's time to just go get him a cold water and bring it to him and walk away. <laughs> yeah, like we have this thing where like sometimes I just avoid eye contact. I'm like, oh, we'll yeah. Do it. <laughs> I just grab the horse. I start putting it away and <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to go take its tail out. Yeah. Oh, it disappeared. I'm good at disappearing. <laughs> That's kind of pro tips for being married in any relationship. You <laughs> learn when it's a, an okay time to talk and when you just need to leave leave for the time <laughs> exit the scene all righty gals we appreciate your time today do any of you have any last insights or advice or takeaways that we haven't touched on yet that you would like to say for us and our guests before we let you go the biggest word that i can think of is patience that i have learned since i have been in a horse trainer spouse relationship patience of that it's not all about me and just kind of more go with the flow because you kind of have to. If a horse gets sick or whatever has to happen, your schedule can be completely thrown off. And patience is is the biggest thing that I have started to master. Yeah. And I think to tack on to what Tammy said, I think patience is super important. And for me, sometimes it's almost being patient with myself because I understand that they're the ones that feel not that we all don't feel pressure for them, but at the end of the day, it's them in there and they, they do feel a lot of pressure. And sometimes we're the easiest ones to kind of take that frustration out on. So, and that's something that I struggle with every day to just make sure that I realize that like, okay, when he's frustrated with this horse or this situation, and it feels like he's taking it out on me, it's really not, but that's, you know, maybe one of the parts of being that supportive person that that mm-hmm. isn't as much fun because they feel at least comfortable enough with us that they can vent about it and they can be frustrated and just knowing that it's it's not about us that it's about something bigger and that we just need to try to help them through that. Alrighty, with that, well, we thank you for your candor and your honesty today and allowing us to peel back the curtain a little bit on being married to a trainer. And this makes me start my brains hamster wheeling like I feel like we need to get some trainers on and do the same with them and peel back the curtains on their side of the business too always good to share information and it helps people understand all the sides of things in our industry 
I know all of you gals are on Facebook. So if anybody has a question for you or something, I'm sure they can reach out to you via messages. But with that, we will let you go. And thank you again so much for your time on a Thanksgiving weekend. And good luck to all of you and your upcoming shows, adventures, job things, school with you, Lexi, anything that's <laughs> going on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, ladies. Bye-bye. All right, that'll be your class. Bring them in and line them up.